0: It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Abby Rodman is a psychotherapist, blogger, and the author of the Amazon bestseller Without This Ring, a woman's guide to successful living through and beyond midlife divorce. Abby's appeared on the Today Show, HuffPost Live, and is regularly sought out for her expertise on relationships and parenting issues. After her own midlife divorce, Abby remarried in 2015 and expanded her work to include the joys and challenges of second marriages and step-parenting. She lives outside Boston with her husband and her beloved rescue pup, Desi, and depending on the day, any number of their five sons. And she's joining me today on Amy's Table. Hi, Abby. I'm so glad you could come on the show.
1: I'm so glad to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, you know, I was reading an article, I think it was through the Chicago Tribune. I was there visiting my son, and it was an article that was interviewing you about midlife divorce. And what struck me was how positive and upbeat and optimistic it is because a lot of what I ever hear about divorce— midlife or otherwise, is that's not the scenario. And so I was really intrigued enough to read the whole article through and reach out to you. And here you are. And so I (laughs) want to talk about this. Are midlife divorces on the rise?
1: They certainly are. And that's been the case for several years now. Um, And even though, um, and as you said, you know, there are these upsides and um, kind of happily ever afters, um, I do like to make clear from the get go that I am not what you would call a proponent of divorce right, right. Um, because I tr- really, truly believe with all the work that I've done in this field. And as you mentioned, I also went through my own midlife divorce. So you get divorced when there really are no other options available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I get, you know, people saying, oh, you're pro-divorce. That is simply not the case. I don't even know what that means. Right. But um, but it's simply not uh, the case because, as you said, it's a re- it can be a really, really tough road.
0: Yep, yep. So what do you attribute this rise in divorce to? Is it women in the workplace? Is it longer lifespans? I mean, I'm looking for some reason.
1: (laughs) I I, I get it. And I think it is um, some of what you just mentioned that, you know, many, many women are in the workforce. They're making their own money. They're no longer tied to their spouses financially. Um, which gives them a little bit more freedom than perhaps prior generations. Um, and we do have a longer lifespan now. I mean, we can live into our 80s, into our 90s, especially women uh, tend to live longer. So, you know, when you're midlife and you're thinking, wow, I could have another 30, 40 years ahead of me. Do I really want to, this to be my life? Do I really want this to be the end of my life as I know it in the sense of, you know, am I really going to stay in this marriage?
0: Right, right. You know, I'm wondering, one of the things is, do most people, when they divorce, is it that they are in an untenable relationship, as you say, or is it marriage in itself people are trying to stray from? And I guess I'm going to follow that with another question. Do most divorced people midlife remarry? Most people
1: do remarry, um, but there's also a very high divorce rate for second marriages, which is maybe <laughs> another conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, but no, people divorce, thoughtful people divorce because the marriages are untenable. Mm-hmm. Um, people, gen, thoughtful people generally do not wake up one morning and say, you know, I just don't really feel like doing this anymore. Um, and it's usually a very, very long drawn out process, a very painful one. Um, some statistics say that, you know, from the first realization that a person is unhappy in their marriage, it can take seven years until they finally make the move that they need to make. And seven years is the average. So some people take a little shorter amount of time, but some people even take longer than that.
0: Well, and as you say, we're talking about hopefully thoughtful people who have weighed things out, who have given it a try, etc. But what advice would you offer if somebody thinks they're ready for divorce?
1: You know, it's really hard because people love to know the answer to that readiness question. Um, And I wish there were a formula for that, and there just isn't. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things. One is that I hear from a lot of clients, and I've also done um, some research on this topic and have surveyed and interviewed many, many hundreds of women about this issue, um, is that people, you know, they will say, I, want, I don't hate my spouse, so I don't think I'm ready to get a divorce. And you don't have to hate your spouse to get a divorce, Um, And if you're waiting to hate this person, whatever hate means to you, um, you could be spending a lot more time in an unhappy marriage than you need to, because you may always care about this person. You may always care what happens to them. Um, You may even hope for their future happiness. So there's a myth that you have to hate your spouse to want to divorce. And that certainly is not the case. Um, And. You know, the closest I can come to an answer on this readiness question is this. Does anything the future holds seem preferable to being in this marriage? And I, my kind of catchphrase for that is come what may. So if you can say come what may, I don't really know what the future holds, but it doesn't really matter because it's better than this. Um, then I think you're close to knowing that you're ready.
0: That is a really interesting, that's a really interesting thought process that would work upon so many things too, wouldn't it? Mm. Jobs, mm-hmm. habits, whatever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, absolutely. it's... I mean- it's funny that you bring up the hate thing because I had Lori David on my show, the ex-wife of Larry David, and she had written a cookbook of all things, but she's, she's a person who has a massive career in television comedies and all of that on her own. But after their divorce... Larry still had dinner with her and the family once a week. So Mm -hmm. I don't think there was hate there. It just wasn't the marriage that they wanted. So that's a really interesting thing. And I think that's sort of, I wish I had saved the article in front of me that I read uh, that was interviewing you, but that's sort of what I took away is that, so sometimes you can have this relationship with your ex, whether that be your wife or husband, that is can get to a positive place that, you know, you still can have them over for dinner because he or she likes your cooking or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. And I think, I
1: mean, obviously that's the optimal outcome,
0: right? Is that um, probably the rare one place. though?
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's typical, um, but certainly people can end up in a place um, where they do have a civil relationship where they do have some semblance of a friendship Unfortunately, you know, for a lot of people, there are a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of pain that um, kind of hangs on after and post-divorce. So um, I'm, I, it's funny because I've also read that about the Davids and, and thought that that was a really lovely um, outcome for them. Yeah. Um, but generally, those things um, take time um, and some couples may never get there. Right.
0: Right. If you're just joining me, I'm speaking with Abby Rodman. She's the author of Without This Ring, A Woman's Guide to Successful Living Through and Beyond Midlife Divorce. She's also got her podcast on iTunes, and I've just lost the name of it. Abby, where is it? It's... It's uh, relationships. relationships. There we go. (laughs) Relationships with Abby Rodman. Um, So, Abby, you know, one of the things you said you're not pro divorce, whatever that means, and that you're just trying to shed some light and information and strategies for people. But how about trying to fix that broken marriage? How do we do that?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the really the kind of simple, I guess, answer to that is the only way to fix a broken marriage is for both people to want to fix it. So if you have a couple and both are completely committed to making the changes and tweaks and, um, you know, all of that that they need to make to to do anything to make the marriage work, that's the only way you're going to fix it. You are not going to fix it on your own. One person cannot fix a marriage. So if you have a Who's, you know, I hear from people all the time, well, my, you know, our marriage is terrible, but my spouse doesn't want to go to couples therapy and my spouse doesn't want to do this or that. There's no way that you can fix it by yourself. Right. So our marriage is fixable. Absolutely. They are. And people say, can marriages recover from infidelity and, and other kinds of betrayal and disappointment? Absolutely. They can. But that takes a lot of work on both sides. Of the equation.
0: I mean, I think that's the thing. You talk about the takes two to tango, is the marriage is a partnership, and if one person isn't part of it, whether making it great, making it break up, whatever, that's where all that darn conflict comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what do you think surprises people the most about their post-divorce lives?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um I think people are surprised by how disruptive it is, Um, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative sense, although there are the more trying pieces of that. Um, Divorce really does affect every aspect of your life. It affects your relationship, obviously, with your ex-spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with extended family. Um, there's a lot of relationship fallout um, from divorce. People also find themselves, you know, in kind of living a different lifestyle or ha- not having as much money um, as they once had or maybe having to give up their family home. There's a lot of disruption um, around. And I think that it's very, very hard for people to understand the scope of that until they're in it. It's like someone saying to you, well, childbirth is really painful. Right. Well, until you do it, <laughs> you don't really know what that's going to be like. Right. So, I mean, you can hear people, people can tell you. Yeah. But until you're really in the post-divorce life, then you realize, wow, this has been very disruptive. Um in some good ways and also
0: some difficult ways. Right. Well, you know, it's funny when you make the analogy to childbirth. So the only reason women have more than one child is they have some kind of amnesia about the situation right. they went through. And I'm wondering, you know, do you get a little Absolutely. bit of divorce amnesia once you're through it that you're like, "Whew, that's behind me. And, you know. <laughs> well,
1: certainly people remarry. So I think it's Yeah. Probably... <laughs> I think it's probably exactly what you're saying. They kind of forget,
0: yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, I suppose the other thing that happens is whether your marriage was untenable because of your spouse or you or a combination of both, which no matter how much we don't want to hear it, is probably the real truth. um, I wonder how much baggage is brought along if people are just going to have repeat performances. Is that what you discover? Unless people find what their part of the equation was and address it?
1: This is kind of my call to arms, which is exactly what you just said, because you will go into another relationship. And the only thing you're taking with you into that next relationship is you. So you better make sure that you're not taking your baggage, as you said, into that next relationship. People repeat, you know, we're creatures of habit. Right. We're creatures of comfort. Even even things that aren't comfortable, if we know them, if they're true for us, they're comfortable for us. Um, So we really have to do, I really encourage people while they're going through divorce and especially post-divorce to do work on themselves, to try to look at what did I bring to the table here? What are the things I could have done differently? If you can't do that, then you're just walking blindly into hopefully not, but perhaps A similar scenario. Right,
0: destined to repeat those failures. Well, Mm -hmm. Abby, it's so interesting. All of it is. I mean, we as a society are so interesting in how we're evolving in relationships and etc. But this has a lot of great information for women who are navigating a midlife divorce. And again, the book is Without This Ring, A Woman's Guide to Successfully Living Through and Beyond Midlife Divorce. And Abby's podcast is Relationships with Abby Rodman. And you you can find more about Abby at her website, abbyrodman.com, and of course, follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Abby, it was great to talk to you today. Uh, so enjoyed it. Hope we've given some good information or eye-opening thoughts to anyone contemplating a midlife divorce. And again, thanks for joining me on Amy's Table.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Amy. I'll be happy to come on anytime.
0: Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q102. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is, when you use Ship to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit shipped.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday.